What will you not be attending this evening, honey? This evening, I will not be attending... Oh, the uh, Christmas tree lighting. That's right. Indeed. This is down the street from us in our little town. They have the town Christmas tree lighting, and there's singing of carols and um, cookies and hot cocoa being distributed. (laughs) (laughs) Hot cocoa. Why do you laugh at the hot cocoa? I laugh because it's not a new thing. I just... I think I think it's bad for civilization that everybody decides switches it on and at the same time that no it's time for hot cocoa and we're gonna blow into the cup and then in summer they go to ice cream and now I, can I ask you because yeah. I've always called it hot cocoa yeah and, I don't call it that but. and no I know it and now you've made me like feel uncomfortable about mm. calling it hot cocoa so now I say hot chocolate because I'm scared of you. Good. Hot cocoa is D-class A. Why can't you say hot cocoa? It's D-class A. The Koa Koa (laughs) has been processed. It's not a Koa Koa. It's a Koa It has been processed into chocolate at this point. That's just what cocoa is. You know, the the Brazilian honey badger eats the Koa Koa. That's not what we do. So, uh, yes. I mean, chocolate is cocoa. But once it's been processed and manipulated to be chocolate, it's not the wrong ingredient. I'm not having coffee bean juice either. <laughs> but you're having coffee or sugar cane, um, you know, dust. <laughs> but anyway, so it's de class A to say cocoa. Why? Because it is. I just have always called it that. I know, because you're... But this is something that you don't really appreciate about me because you have a problem with hot cocoa, where hot cocoa is one of the things I'm actually quite good at and a snob about. I try to be, and as a matter of fact, so am I. I, The product itself, I don't have a problem. No, you are a fan of packet cocoa. Oh, 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 you, oh, well, compared to the arduous... Yeah, where you melt sugar and cocoa powder and you stir it into milk. It's really not actually that difficult, but it comes out so much better. This is the reason, and this is, a lot of people would think this is wholesome, but it 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 gets old. old. (laughs) When you marry a Waldorf school person of, uh, uh, who's descendant from Northern Europeans on one side, who, in, whose family embraces a lot of those values, then there's a lot of, extraneous ingredients that clog up our pantry and yes you're 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 pure chocolate and and uh you're and just mad because one time you tried to make the kids chocolate milk using the plain cocoa powder and it came out disgusting and everybody was mad well right because you've deconstructed everything to make so, so it's that not Nesquik chocolate milk right, powder right Nesquik has done a good job of doing all the work but you've deconstructed everything to be yeah because, you start with the raw ingredients no, and then it's some, more pure and wholesome because of some uh anglo-saxon um you know self um loathing uh, that you have to start it comes out better yeah, that you have to start. It's the same way with all the ingredients. When you make cookies and cake, and you're, you From have it's like you you start at the millstone down the street <laughs> and and little, little greens and things like that. And of course, the the debris and stuff is all over the kitchen for a month. And it's oh, it's there's no reason. This is self flagellation that you're doing. It's it's called Alice's. I know some people like cookbook. to buy the pre-made gingerbread house at the store that comes already prefab and. Everything's done for you. I will buy uh, a pre-made prostate cancer kit <laughs> before 
I buy a gingered bread house, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, no. It's like that. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. There's not enough time in the world to, to go back to this stuff. And, and I understand. I had a grandmother who was still more sophisticated cooking than you were. <laughs> That's not. You know, she was born in 1906. <laughs> and, but she would cook a lot of stuff from scratch-ish. But they learned, those people learned to... Uh, expedite, and they learned that something. But there's were wonderful. so much garbage God in a lot of us, the prepared food. God gave us cream of mushroom soup so that we could skip sixty other steps. I was just talking this <laughs> to my daughter, to Sally, about this today. As a matter of fact, but there is such a difference, though, in quality with this stuff. Truly, well, sometimes there's a difference in quality. For instance, you you famously fall short on your green bean casserole. Which I talked to your daughter about this morning on the ride. It was the it was a serious topic that she loves all your casseroles, but the green bean casserole. And I said the reason for that what is what was wrong with the green bean casserole. Right, the reason for that is is that you make a from scratch pure green bean casserole, which is not what you need to be doing, and you shouldn't be doing. All I you don't need, understand uh, what could possibly am... be wrong with fresh green beans, fresh mushrooms, heavy cream, all good things, cheese. You know, nice sharp cheddar cheese. It's in that. There was no problem with my green bean casserole. It was delicious. You guys just don't appreciate me. Thaddeus Campbell <laughs> has done the hard work, Alice, for us. All you need to do is buy frozen green beans and have uh, shredded frozen cheddar cheese. Frozen is essentially the shredded, same. Expression. Shredded I'm cheddar cheese and six and a half cans of cream of mushroom soup. And the work is done for you. And that's nice, semi artificial green bean casserole, which is better than the homemade stuff. And I crushed up little Parmesan crisps so that it yep. would be um, low carb for my husband. Who I, I I appreciate that. And so that we didn't have to eat little French fried onions that are full of canola oil and make your mouth feel waxy after you eat them. Ooh, I Gross. miss that feeling. Um, so no, I think it's fine. I I liked it. I mean, I ate a, a bunch of it, but mm -hmm. the fake stuff is also really good, really good. But, Sometimes I mean, the fake stuff is better than the real stuff. It's just true. True. I don't know if I buy into that. Anyway, I have been on a casserole-making kick, really, lately, because I'm trying to get you to eat healthier, too. Yeah, that, that casserole last week with the hamburger meat, mm -hmm. what was that? That one was really good. Really good. That was, yeah, like a cheesy hamburger ground beef casserole. Yeah, but there was a... It, but it was creamy in the ground beef. Oh, there, there was, was ginger in there, wasn't there? No. What was that? The sweet. That was a different. That wasn't a casserole. That was I made. So I made a Mongolian ground beef that yeah. didn't have sugar. That was low carb to put over a riced cauliflower. Oh yeah, that was good too. And that was like an Asian thing with the scallions on top. Yes, that's a winner. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's scallions, I am titillated. But yeah, with like me. soy sauce and garlic and i mean you can't really go wrong but that was a ground beef a separate ground beef dish like an asian ground beef dish that i did but then i did that cheeseburger casserole one kind of yes. that was good that i made with your five-year-old son who's just about his speed is stirring ground beef in a cast iron pan and then putting it in the oven yeah i could do without the cast iron pan by the well, way but it it's makes it never, really easy it's never clean it makes it really no easy. cast well, iron pan is well, ever clean i clean it yeah just because you you've never it cleaned it in the way that any cast iron pan is clean which is not clean no cast iron pan on earth is clean can never be it's not just us nobody's pan is clean and I wish these people, and that's the same thing. That's another self-flagellation. Flagellation. You're the one who bought that cast iron pan. You I, used it exactly got, once the first time. Right. And then I tried and to. And then you didn't clean it. Yeah, and, then I, and then I was going to uh, 
clean it uh, in the sink, so I invited six of my friends over to help me carry it. <laughs> and like pallbearers, we brought it over to the sink, and, and there you go, and we washed it. No, I am done. I'm done. Life is short, Alice. When you get to be my advanced age, you'll understand that life is short. And first of all, anything that can't – first of all, if you give somebody a gift that can't go in the dishwasher, then you, you, got might, then you need set. to be fitted on a uh, medieval rack. You got yourself that cast iron pan. your stretched until such time as uh, you break. You got yourself that cast iron pan. I was given bad information by somebody. A big cooking person gave me bad information that a cast iron pan is worth it. It is rubbish. And cast iron pan people, too, with the, oh, 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 I love the steak of black and blue. I start out with the thing, and then I throw it in the oven. Oh, there's nothing. Like, F off. No, that is the, a really good purpose for the cast iron pan. That's what I use it for, because things that I have to, like, for example, a hamburger casserole is a perfect example, because you have to brown the meat on the stovetop, and then you have to cook the casserole in the oven, so the cast iron pan can go on the stovetop or in the oven, kind of like a Dutch oven can, right? So it makes your life really easy that you only are using one dish and, and you, you don't, don't have, have to, to transfer. Uh, workouts that day. <laughs> no, that is incorrect. To transfer it. No, Alice, that, I in, like a cast iron pan for that. That's why I use that. I did the same thing with the green bean casserole because, you know, you have to cook the green beans in oil on the stovetop first and then... You know, instead of using now a second dish and putting that in the oven, now I've only I'm only using one dish. In 1923, Jedediah Pyrex invented the Pyrex casserole, which we can use. You in- cannot use a Pyrex glass dish on a stovetop. No, that's you use a um, a frying pan on the stovetop. Yeah, but then you have to transfer it to the Pyrex. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> How does that happen? But now you have two well, you have dirty... you call in specialists. But now you have two dirty dishes. So, who cares? Well, one of them, both of them can go in the dishwasher in this case. I don't agree with that. I wash pots and pans by hand regardless of if they're... Because I this don't... Is, it's no, I don't put, yes. I don't put frying pans in the dishwasher. I don't think, A, that they get clean. Mm-hmm. I think they take up a ton of space in the dishwasher, so a bunch of other smaller I stuff doesn't get washed. I did a great load yesterday with four frying pans in it. Was and they're smart. not really clean. Yes, they are. They're I as clean as possible. And it ruins them. That's my opinion. But I... I think pots and pans have to be done by hand. That's my point of view. Well, period. ideally, sure. But sometimes time is an issue. And Have you ever washed a dish by hand in our house? Yes, I have. I, As a matter of fact, I will be doing it today, as a matter of fact. I have the your roasting pan soaking. I get into washing dishes by hand when I can get into washing dishes by hand. In this house, there's 47 diners in this house. And so it's very tough to get ahead of it. But Speaking of my roasting pan, do you want to tell the people about my Thanksgiving Day coup? Uh, you're very adversarial today. I will tell you, Alice, that... Um, you're just very wrong today, so I have to... So this was, a, this was a cup. So I didn't know that you'd ever cooked a turkey, had you ever? Yes. Okay. Attitudinal. <laughs> I don't. So uh, I don't do it so often. I don't even know what our Thanksgiving plan time. was because we were going to eat at the Kowloon Friday, which we did on Thursday. Um, I saw that. I think I saw that you had bought a turkey, so I didn't know what we were going to do Thursday. I didn't know what you had in mind, so you just started cooking Thanksgiving stuff for on Thursday Thanksgiving. Um, and you had the turkey brining in a bag, which I thought was going to be a d- disaster, obviously, because you don't... I've literally done this process before in this house okay. with you here. I don't think that's true. <laughs> it is um, true. 
and then you use the roasting pan, which I made purchase of, um, and you were, and then you started cooking the tur- roasting the turkey after everything else was done. After your no, well, after your panned, it was kind um, of a green last bean casserole minute. had was already served. It was kind of a it. last minute project, and so I wanted to give oh, it as much time it? as possible to brine beforehand. That's why it wasn't until later on. But since we had no plans, it didn't really matter when well, I Well, so the so then we throw the thing. You've got like little oranges in the bottom of the pan, etc. We throw the thing. We start roasting it. Lemon. And then yes. right before we were going to do our Burn Barrel podcast, um, I um, I asked you if if you intended to baste it, because it, it was going to be only an hour left of cooking. And so I figured if we don't it baste it. It was a little tiny turkey. If we don't baste it now, it's not going to be basted. So you said, I don't know if we have a baster, but of course I have a baster. I have a brother who, by law, requires me to have a baster. <laughs> and also, I respect the baster and what it does. It's A baster is a brilliant device. Mm-hmm. And so I found my parts of my baster. I cleaned the baster, which you can never really get sufficiently clean. And... I open the oven and take the turkey out, and it's dry. There's nothing. There's not any juice. It's all dry. The, bottom, the directions I, I, on the butterball I, I, turkey you, said not to not put any liquid Alice. in there. This is okay. So I was, like, shocked. I'd never seen a turkey that was dry. I'd never seen this. The pan There was, was totally, no moisture. There was no moisture at all. It's like, sh- this is unheard of. So I said, I, okay. I mean, that's fine. The worst case scenario, the dog gets to enjoy some turkey. So I throw it back in there, and I told Alice it was dry. And so then, uh, so then we took it out, um, you know, an hour later, and let it sit for a bit. And like it's like maybe a thimble full of juice, like was coming. I figure once I cut it, then maybe it'll burst full of juice, and I'll see. And I cut it, and still maybe a little tiny bit of juice, tiny bit of juice. And then um, we served it, and it was effing delicious. Right. It was the meat I, itself was moist. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I can't believe it. it was like the best, maybe the best turkey I've ever had. It was really good. And then what did I do, Alex, to salvage the dry situation? Added mayo? <laughs> I don't know. What did you do? No, I um after the I after the pan was used, I scraped all the scrapings off of the pan and Oh, you made gravy. Yes, added some um what's that called? Vegetable water. What's that called? Broth? Broth? And butter, and broiled it for a little bit, and made a beautiful <laughs> vegetable. <water>. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and uh, that's so and funny the giblets. Giblets we did not use. You tried to feed Pepper the turkey neck, and she was uninterested. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, but the, it was maybe the best turkey I've ever had. Because I, I don't even like turkey, but that was delicious. That was a cup. That's a winner, and we were talking today about now having it part of our thing to have a roasted bird in the house. Well, yeah, especially because you carved that turkey, and then I asked you today if you used Danny and Belreca's forks that he sent you for the purpose of carving things on holidays, and you forgot to use them. I not only did I forget to use them, but I 
could have expressly used them. They were hanging. They they're like, in the kitchen hanging, right? Like six inches from where you were right. carving the turkey. Right, but I I needed them. I it was so un uh, unmanageable with a. So now I have to, I feel like I have to make another yeah. one just so you can use the fork. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll do. We can get one tomorrow or today, whatever. They're um, probably on sale. Um. The only thing is, I've never cooked a frozen turkey. I'm like scared to do that because do you remember that one time where we had a frozen turkey in Vermont? I think your brother got it. And it was in the fridge, and we tried to thaw it for, like, more than a week, and it was still frozen. Really? Yes. It was a huge... It must have been a 20-pound turkey. It was a huge frozen turkey. And we moved it from the freezer into the fridge, and it sat there for literally, I think, more than a week and did not become unfrozen because it was so huge and frozen. And, yeah, so we never got to eat it. So now I'm scared to make frozen turkeys. I understand, like, I know that you... Was that one not frozen? No, it was fresh. Oh, wow. I purchased it fresh. Oh, from like one of those farms or something? No, from the store. They sell them either frozen or not frozen. Oh. Like they sell ones that are just normal meat. But yeah, we could either do turkey or we could do a whole roast chicken because it's basically the same thing, just smaller. You know, and maybe even tastier a chicken is possibly. Thoughts? I'm all for it. I don't think we need to get another turkey, but I, I would. I'm. I. I think it's a good idea to have chickens around. Do we go? Do we become a rotisserie person or no? You mean buy the pre-made rotisserie? No, buy a rotisserie. Oh, a rotisserie. I don't yeah. think we need that. Okay. I think we can just roast it the way you roast a Thanksgiving turkey. Alright, I'm. I'm fine with that. For this family, it's. It, it would be because it's fun for kids to choose what parts to eat, etc. Mm-hmm. I think it's a. It's a winner. Yeah, I think it would be fun to do it. And it's a good like good whole meal, good leftovers. Yeah. Good all that stuff. And then it gives you an opportunity to use the Danny and Bill Rekka forks. Absolutely. <sighs> How much time do we have? Do we have time to get to any of our actual topics or do we have to record another show now? No, we have t- another show. What are you talking about? What you, what are you talking about, Willis? I want to talk, talk to you about something that I find absolutely charming. Okay. Uh, oh, Dean, that's what I was going to talk to uh, Tommy New Hampshire about, as a matter of fact, um, is everything set to block pages with ad blocker on this computer. And I wish I probably could just look into it. Woman bakes expletive laden pies to get a rise out of her grandmother, an annual tradition. This I love. She, she breaks these pies and then writes on them. A naughty annual tradition is garnering a nice bit of laughter on the Internet. On How on- does she write on them? What does she write? Like how? What do you mean writes on them? She writes like, on frosting. Like what are we no. talking about? Essentially she um uses the uh, the dough. She makes a dough pie pattern. crust or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so an uh, 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 Oregon-based woman just lied and posted a photo gallery in the subreddit baking and it illustrates a unique family tradition, expletive topped pies. What started as a means to get a rise out of her my Grammy has snowballed into a weird family tra- tradition. I bake one pie a year, yeah, Lydon wrote in the post adding that the first image in the set is 2023's pie, a rosette-filled apple pie, and has the word... And this is what I love. I love this lady because of the word. Have you seen this? No. Guess what the expletive is. Uh, C. Jesus, else. What? No. How... I mean, I don't you know. You have a dark little heart, that, Alice. I'm sorry. For the, that's a word you frequently the, use. I'm sorry for the bad things that have happened in your past. 
What do you mean? The bad things that happen when you get up in the morning and yell at everybody because that's a word that you frequently incorrect. use. I yell at possibly the dog if she has gotten ripped the trash out of the thing. That's it. Um, the pie, it's a pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Says, I thought you said it was an apple-filled rosette pie. What word okay, does that Whatever it fucking is. It doesn't matter. Okay? Jeez. The pie... Says a lot of inaccuracies. Okay, step on more of this. I'm not saying this. We're not going to say what the pie means now. What does it say? This is, as a matter of fact, this is this is my new word for you now. The pie says dickwad. This is your new nickname because of your behavior during this show. She's also had one that said F off. How great is this? I'm making you one that says the C word. <laughs> The British use that word quite. There's another one called F wit. It's a good word, right? Mm, yeah. Oh my God! She does use the c word. Effing c word is another one. Can you imagine? That's great. Another one says arse face. Another one says f off. This is great. Another one says the b word. Another one says wanker, which is this is. Is she British? She must be British. I assume American so. people don't call each other oh, a wanker. It's kind of an American one. No, I don't think she is. Another one's a TW word, which we don't really use, neither you nor But I. British people, again, do use that. Yeah, they do. You're right. Oregon-based woman, just like an organ. So maybe she's mm. into those swears. Maybe she's from Canada. She has one that says penis, which is not a swear. <laughs> it's, yeah, more of a medical term, I said. Um, so I wanted to celebrate her. Uh, also, on the, uh, we need to arm people with the news they need. The adult Happy Meal is back. This mm-hmm. is something that could be an allosheric thing. I have a friend that likes the. Adult Are you into Happy, Happy Meals? Meals? No. The McNugget Buddies. I mean, I was when I was a child, but I'm yeah, not I, anymore. I so. bought two Happy Meals for our kids. Two, the two little ones last night. I, I did. I remember being a kid when the Happy Meal came out. Just it has never done. I've never understood. Never done anything for me. It's. Just, I mean, I understand it's a box. Yeah, it comes. Open. No, I was gonna say it's the same food, but it comes in a fun box and there's yeah. a toy in it. That's the whole. The, dirt, the Kerwin Frost box is available on December 11th last year. They're partnering with fashion influencers. Yeah, that's great. So anyway, Delta Happy Meals are back, Alice. Congratulations. Maybe we'll get one. Maybe I'll reach out to one of these people that I say that I'm going to reach out to that I never do. Also. Subway is adding a footlong cookie to its menu, and you can try it for free. Hmm. Footlong philosophy is no longer applies to its sandwiches. Sandwich chain announced that it will be offering its new chocolate chip footlong cookie on menus nationwide starting in January. But customers can get a first bite of the ruler-length dessert in four cities. Ruler-length. That's a good bit of uh, uh, wordsmith. In four cities on National Cookie Day, December 4th. December oh my 4th goodness! Is Danny Smith's birthday on Cookie Monster's favorite day of the year? January uh, four Subway restaurants will be transformed. Okay, that is Monday, I believe. That is okay. The four restaurants, and we have uh, listeners here: is Chicago, Illinois, six hundred four South Wabash, uh, Dallas, Texas, twelve twenty two Commerce Street, Miami Beach, Florida, twenty seven ninety five. I can't assume Miami. Although the first time I ever had Subway was actually in Miami Beach. But it seems like too fatty for Miami people. New York City, 545 8th Avenue. That's where you can get your um, your experimental uh Put long cookie on National Cookie Day. Correct. In other uh, food news, Albie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, oh we, we did want you to 
you know what? We're going to go away from news and talk about this uh, article in Axios. The Cheesecake Factor, why these restaurants can reveal a mall's financial success. Call it the Cheesecake Factor. The presence of a Cheesecake Factory restaurant in a mall is an indicator of the mall's financial health. A new paper all about malls from Moody's Analytics finds. About 93% of loans backed by malls with a Cheesecake Factory are current uh, on their payments, compared to that to around 72% of those without the restaurant. The presence of certain stores within a mall, like a Lululemon or an Apple store, can be an unscientific measuring stick for the prospects of one mall over another. To it, people go to the mall to go to Apple. They don't go to a mall to end up at Apple. That's a great point. Hmm. He noticed the same pattern in the Cheesecake Factory, the chain restaurant known for its enormous menu and, well, all the cheesecakes. Uh, he wrote the paper titled, Get In, Loser, We're Going Shopping. Uh, that's, do you know what that's from? No. It's a line from Mean Girls. Oh, really? Yes. So so that is interesting. That is interesting. And I would consider those two standouts. Cheesecake Factory, to me, has always been a great place mm-hmm. in a unique place. And obviously, the Apple Store is great and unique as well. I, I would say that, like, 25 years ago, the sharper image... In a mall was a unique and great thing. Do you mm-hmm. remember the sharper image? Yeah, and Brookstone too was another. Right, which yeah, which was kind of like a sharper image, but mm-hmm. a little bit different. Uh, now they're both gone, I think. Yeah, Brookstone's been through several bankruptcies. Right, right, but in I guess locally we had a Rainforest Cafe that's closed. I think. Oh yeah, the Rainforest Cafe is long on. I used to love that Rainforest Cafe though. There was the one in Burlington. Right. Do you remember we, we took our daughter there? It yeah. still existed when she was very small. Yes, and she was so scared. I petrified think petrified of all the animatronic things. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was great to go there as a kid. Plus, they had waffle fries, which is a that's an exciting thing as a kid too. Um, waffle fries are a fun shape. Yeah. Yeah, I so, know we've done some analysis already of fry shapes on this program. The waffle fry is a good shape for a fry. I mean, obviously, more surface space, the better for the precious. Um, one more piece out of the news. I know that we're a little late on this. Target caught offering same prices for its Black Friday deals. It's the same. I don't get it, says this woman. And yes, they're subbing out in the picture here a the 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 uh, thing for Black Friday sale six forty nine ninety nine for a TV. Is replacing the other sale for six forty nine ninety nine. So I have a theory about this. Um, Target's had a pretty rough year earnings wise. They've you know not been having good financial news, right? And I mean, well, obviously, no retail establishment is above you know advertising markdowns of something new and special when they're not new and special, but. My theory is that probably they have like lowest prices they can go to on these things, you know, so that they're not selling like at a loss or whatever. Uh-huh. And they probably already had moved to those prices and they may not have been planning to in advance, but I think they probably, because a lot of retailers have been marking down much more heavily than they intended to much earlier in the season. So my guess is probably that this is not nefarious on Target's part so much as, you know, they already had moved to their lowest possible prices earlier on in the season than they planned to. And that, you know, I don't fault them for swapping out the signs that just say sale to ones that say like Black Friday because the, it obviously you want a brand for Black Friday. But I mean, is... 
A sale I mean, stores, feels, I mean, you, you're supposed to feel like you're getting something. Stores brand their sales all kinds of ways. You know, they have friends and family sales. They have, you know, a Christmas in July sale. They have Cyber Monday sales. Now a lot of online retailers do like other Cyber Weekends or Cyber Week sales at different times of year as well. There's lots of ways to like, lots of things to call your sale. They don't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, They're I, just things that you call it. So the fact that, you know, they probably were already pretty deeply discounted, more deeply discounted than they were hoping to be at this time of year, you know, when they planned this stuff at, way back months ago. But because they've, I mean, Target especially has had a really difficult year for retail. And, you know, I think that obviously you're going to put branding on your signs in the store for Black Friday even if you're already at the lowest price that you want it to be. So I understand that people expect Black Friday to be something special and different. But the truth is that, you know, when retailers run sales and they've got like 30% off or 40% off or 25% off, they're just calling them things. There's no like industry standard for what stuff is called. There's no like special Black Friday there's no reason in particular why Black Friday has to be a different price than anything else. I understand well, that psychologically yeah. it seems like it should, but retailers are just naming sales things. You know, there's not so like. Do you think it was the same thing when everybody had like doorbusters on Black Friday? Doorbusters traditionally means um, special prices on specific items rather than like a blanket, like 30% off your purchase. Right. So doorbusters usually means it's like these specific eight items are at a special price, usually for a very limited time. Sometimes even the reason why it's called doorbusters is because there's like either a limited amount of them in the store or because it's only until like a certain hour of the day, like until 11 a.m. So the idea is that you have to come in early and bust down the door to get in there while you can get this special price. Right. And that used to be the Black Friday where everybody would be right. cramming in. And right. Is, but doorbusters is, is usually means it's a, speci a specific deal on a specific item. And would that usually be trying to clear out inventory? It or? might even be like a loss leader. Like they're oh. just trying to get you in there to shop. So they do a very limited amount. You know, they say we're going to sell, we're going to put 30 TVs on the floor at this price where we're actually losing money on these 30 TVs. But we know that 500 people are going to line up outside our door at 6 a.m. And once they're here, a bunch more of them will buy other stuff as well. Right. And there's oh. only 30 of them. So we're mitigating, you know, the amount of risk that we have on these doorbusters is low because we only have 30 of the TVs at this special price where we're losing money. And we know that the 500 people trying to get into the store first thing in the morning to fight over the TVs. Right. Each, will each have 400 bucks to spend. Right. So, <clears throat> you know, the, that's traditionally why you have more of a doorbuster thing going on is you might those particular items might be you know you might not be making money on them but the plan is to get people there right right it's it's interesting it's interesting you know how how uh, you can promote in market by using inconvenience to attract people. 
Mm-hmm. Like uh, when false scarcity, right? It's like we talked right. about. We've talked about on this show before. The bakeries that will only make a specific amount of some specific pastry in the morning, yes. and you can only get it at this time. And so everybody goes there. And if they don't make it in time for the pastry, then they'll buy something else. So it's yeah, it's all the false scarcity thing that drives people to need to go purchase something, right? Or I th- I also think of if I remember in high school. Uh, a classmate of mine took her little brother in midnight to the record and tape store, mm-hmm. maybe strawberries or whatever, to get the new Guns N' Roses uh, CD that was only at midnight they were selling it. Yeah. It's like, there's no reason to sell it only at midnight other than this is a, this is an event now. Well, right. And that's why, too, a lot of times, I mean, obviously in terms of marketing, I work in digital marketing, but... You know, a lot of times there will be a sale and there will be like last chance, final hours of this sale ends at midnight, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day you'll get an email that says like, oh, sale's been extended another day. Like, I hate to tell you, but generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, the last chance and then the second last chance are planned in advance. What? They don't. Wait a second. They don't, by popular demand, decide to extend it. There's also a lot of like, oh, like our most popular thing is back in stock. This sold out. <laughs> Buy it fast, right? Wow. And lots of um, Alice pulling the curtain back. Yeah. No. I mean, is, but is all anything this true st- anymore? No, is nothing's true. Everything's a lie. Well, I hate nostalgia because it can't. Climb up that hill without thinking your name I hate nostalgia, I still think about you It's been so long, I'm so lame I hate nostalgia Hope you hate it too Hope you wonder What am I doing and who I'm pursuing I hope you think I lead A really exotic life The way I think about you Probably have a wife of your job and you go to church on Sundays and barbecue on weekends out in your backyard and sometimes think about me. 